Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Well, this is the final show of Accent of Women for 2022, and we will conclude the year with a discussion about the extraordinary uprising in Iran in response to the murder of Mahsa Amini by the morality police. This is the second part of an extended interview with Frida Afari about the Iranian revolution. Frida is an Iranian socialist feminist based in Los Angeles. Uh, and then one more statement that has been issued by a group of women um, has been um, mm, uh, that was issued uh, shortly before the 40th day commemoration of the murder of Gina Amini. And in that statement, um, women said, we, uh, we just want to say that we are for all types of oppression. Uh, we are against all types of oppression. Uh, whether it's oppression of women or workers or the national minorities, we are for the right to self-determination. And we are not going to allow you to say that here there are priorities that one group comes first and then women come second or third. No, we're not going to allow this type of prioritization. If our protests are going to succeed, they have to address all these issues at the same time. So I would say that's another really significant uh, feminist expression of revolt. Um, but at the same time, there have been mm, articles and statements by Iranian feminists inside Iran saying that, um, that we need to be really uh, wary of some of the nationalist slogans that are being spread around. And uh, for instance, um, there has been a tendency to um, use a slogan that rhymes with woman uh, freedom, mm, women life freedom. In Persian, uh, they, they've, uh, there's another, the, the, some of the nationalists uh, have created another slogan that rhymes with it. And it, it, what it's, it means man, country, rebuilding. But in Persian, it rhymes with woman life freedom. So um, there uh, some, some feminists, some women have issued statements uh, saying uh, this is really um, problematic, this is uh, nationalistic, this is um, uh, patriarchal, and uh, we, should, we shouldn't be uh, throwing around slogans. And in fact, they've also criticized some other slogans that they consider to be mm, vulgar and, and uh, even the use of the word honor in some slogans which is very problematic because in Iran, we've had many honor killings in the name of honor. Their femicide has been justified defending men's honor. So they're saying, beware of, beware of the patriarchy, beware of the nationalism, beware of the use of the word honor. So that's why I, I wanted to clarify that while there have been some very important feminist elements in, in this uprising, uh, within Iran itself, um, some women, in fact, many women are saying that we still have a long way to go before we can call this a feminist revolution. So let's just cover the rest of the questions in the remaining time. Mm, what is the situation for national minorities? What is the role of Iranian labor unions? Oh, okay, that's a lot to cover. So I'll, I'll uh, cover this more quickly. 
Um, as far as the national minorities are concerned, I think I said a bit about each, especially the Kurds and the Baluchis. And uh, really, the question is um, that Iran is, is not a, uh, a homogeneous, does not have a homogeneous population. It has um, a, 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 a Persian population, a, a Persian-speaking population, but it also has the, you know, a, 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 a Kurdish population of about um, five million in the um, north. Uh, but Kurds also live in other parts of Iran. But that's where the concentration is. We have an Arab population in the south of the border of Iraq. We have the Baluch population in Sistan and Baluchistan, which borders Pakistan. We have the Azari population in north, which um, borders Azerbaijan, and in some cases, the Azeri and the Kurdish population are really in the same area, but they identify as two different national minorities, and sometimes they have competed and fought. So um, they, the fact has been, though, that in Iran, um, we've had a, um, you know, at least uh, a couple of centuries, if not more, of of a, a very centralized uh, government in which uh, the, um, the national minorities are considered second-class citizens and they have no rights. They have no control over the resources of the land they live on. They are not allowed to use their language as the language of instruction. And uh, they are... Um, also um, humiliated, and they are um, um, their their identity is degraded in the jokes that are said in the, you know by Persians, and their you know each national minority has a certain label put on it, and um, so it's um, it's a a real issue that. Um, Iranians need to uh, answer if they want to have a successful uprising and create a democratic society. <laughs> the issue of the rights of national minorities is a major issue. Now, as far as labor is concerned, okay, we have had some strikes in the past uh, um, two and a half months. The, um, there have been two efforts by oil workers to go on strike. The most radical of the oil workers are the ones who, who don't have a permanent uh, contract. They don't have permanent jobs. And they are the, really the bulk of the oil workers. And they've issued two very powerful statements saying that they support women's rights, that they're opposed to tyranny, that their struggle is not only for economic rights, but for social rights. And um, so they called for a strike uh, in early October. They had two attempts to call for strikes in uh, early and late October. And in both cases, they were crushed. They, uh, the first time they went on strike in early October, immediately 250 of them were arrested and most of them are still in prison. The second time, they didn't even have a chance to go on strike. Before they could do that, they were arrested. So um, the, now the permanent workers, and, and they're really much fewer in number, 
they they've also issued a statement opposing the repression but they didn't say anything about women in their statement as far as i i know but i might be mistaken if anyone here has seen another statement by them that specifically mentions the rights of women i would really appreciate your mentioning it and then there have been strikes uh, by okay right now currently there is a strike going on by uh, truck drivers in some cities and that's significant because as you know transportation is a major issue for the continuation of any economy and uh, there have been strikes by um, city workers by teachers by um, um, some some of the other industrial workers but again uh, part of the problem is that iranian economy is in such uh, such uh, shambles and and so many people don't have any kind of um, permanent or any kind of um, reliable uh, job that it's difficult to go on strike because you have no rights to begin with and they could just easily get rid of you and in fact most workers they they haven't even received the pay that they're supposed to receive they're the employees um, and it's mostly the state that's the, empl uh, uh, the employer the employers uh, have you know are often several months behind in paying the the wages so um, it makes it very difficult to have a a, a very effective strike um, the next question was uh, what is the role of the iranian revolutionary guard corps in promoting state repression and military intervention in the region and in ukraine Okay, I think uh, most of you know uh, that Iran has been heavily involved in um, in um, Syria, and that it was Iran's participation, both with its uh, Islamic Revolution Guard Corps and other militia groups um, in in Syria to back the Assad regime, that allowed the Assad regime to stay in power, and it was the Iran, the head of the IRGC. Um, so I'm going to say IRGC instead of Islamic Revolution Guard Corps. It was when, um, in 2015, when the Syrian uprising was, it seemed like it was really going to uh, overthrow the Assad regime. In the summer of 2015, the head of the IRGC at that time, or the head of the Guts Brigade of the IRGC, Hossam Soleimani, went to Moscow uh, and met with Putin and said, look, Assad, uh, Assad is going to fall if you don't come in and help. So it was at that point that uh, Russia agreed to uh, start um, an aerial um, bombardment of, the, of what, what, what was considered the moderate opposition in, in, uh, in Syria and the, the, their holdouts. And so Russia started its aerial bombardment in September, end of September of 2015. And that's when, we, in, the, in the name of attacking ISIS, but of course they, they were really aiming at the, at the opposition. And um, they, that's what decimated what was left of the Syrian uprising. So Iran has been heavily involved in in Syria and, and putting in money and forces and arms, um, helping Assad regime in every way possible at the expense of the Iranian population, of course. 
Iran has been heavily involved in Iraq. Um, the, once the Saddam Hussein regime was uh, fell after the US invasion of, um, of uh, Iraq in 2003, the um, uh, Iran actually uh, was helped by that because Iran was able to go in and, and build on its um, ties with the uh, Shia population of Iran or the Shia clergy and, and uh, it created this very sectarian uh, Shia ruled uh, government that, that then started to really um, uh, take away the rights of Sunnis who had themselves been the majority in control before that. And I'm, I'm not saying that they hadn't committed crimes and they hadn't discriminated against Shia, but then it became the opposite. And now it became the Shia discriminating against the Sunni and it really created so much sectarianism and disorder in Iraq. And they also imposed uh, strict rules on women, um, uh, taking away even the basic rights that women had under the uh, Saddam Hussein government, which was a pretty horrible, murderous regime to begin with. Um, so, so there's Syria, there's Iraq, of course, Lebanon. Iran has been involved in Lebanon since the uh, Iranian revolution was transformed into the Islamic Republic. <clears throat> Iran has had ties with forces in, in Lebanon and it sent, it sent militias to Lebanon. It, Iran created the Hezbollah in Lebanon. Hezbollah means the party of God. So um, Iran has been very involved in determining the course of politics in Lebanon for four decades. And then of course, Ukraine, um, this is the Ukraine Socialist Solidarity Campaign. Iran has been um, selling uh, drones and uh, ballistic, ballistic missiles to uh, uh, Russia. And Russia has been using the drones and the ballistic missiles to destroy the infrastructure of, of Ukraine. And so although Ukraine, the Ukrainian struggle for self-determination has been making some important gains, pushing the uh, Russian invaders back, the Russia's uh, strategy of destroying infrastructure is basically destroying the population and destroying the civilian population. They're taking away water, power, everything. They're starving the population to death. They're using the same strategy that they used in Syria. Now they're using it on, uh, uh, they're doing it in, in Ukraine, but they're using Iranian drones and Iranian ballistic missiles and it turns out that Ukrainians are finding a way to fight the Iranian drones, but they haven't figured out a way to fight the Iranian ballistic missiles because apparently even the arms that the US gives the Ukrainians are not able to, to um, neutralize the, the ballistic missiles because of the range that the ballistic missiles have. So that's a real serious issue. And so that, that's how Iran is, you can say, directly involved in Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, okay, final two questions. Can the Iranian uprising overthrow the ruling regime? And if so, what might follow? Okay, the, the Iranian uprising has a lot of potential. Although, as I mentioned, during the past week, it has kind of slowed down. And that's understandable because people are getting killed. The repression is intensifying. People are exhausted and they've been on, you know, the protesters have been protesting for two and a half months. 
So that's understandable. Now, it, it has a great deal of potential. It can continue if, as I mentioned, if, it, if there is a strong development of the feminist content uh, to make sure that nationalism and, and patriarchy doesn't take over. It can continue if the rights of national and religious minorities are addressed. And by religious minorities, I mean the Baha'is and the Sunni who are discriminated against. The Baha'is, especially because they are, cons are not considered even a valid religion under Islam. They're considered enemies of Islam because they're a, 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 a group that emerged from within Islam. And so it, it, for them, they're, uh, for the Islamic Republic, they're considered direct competition. Uh, they're you know, a group that uh, uh, offers ideas that for them are for the most part very humanitarian and uh, defend women's rights and uh, education. So it, in order for the uprising to move forward, there has to be a way of addressing the rights of national and religious minorities. With national minorities, I mean, most of them have for, for, for the past, for the you know, recent past, uh, suggested a federalist alternative in which the um, um, groups like Kurds, Azaris, um, Arabs, Baluch, they have control over the resources in the region and of course come together in, in a federal system and coordinate everything. And that they also would have the right to use their language, whether it's Kurdish or, or Arabic or Turk, uh, uh, the Turkish that the Azeris speak, which is different from the Turkish in Turkey. And um, they, they, the right to, or, uh, to speak their language, uh, to use their language as the language of instruction. These are the basics that they're asking for. They're not asking for separation from Iran. Uh, but even those basics have, are usually dismissed by the majority of their, the Persian population. Um, and uh, the, the uprising can move forward if labor struggles are addressed, if the right to strike, there uh, is, is addressed if the if the and if the militarism ends so that the resources of the country the, the, can be directed towards the population and infrastructure instead of building arms and drones and missiles and building a nuclear program that's both dangerous and also not needed in any way by Iran um, and uh, if, if that ends, uh, there, there can be funds that could be directed toward the population in a very immediate way. Um, and of course, if the uh, uh, Islamic Republic itself is overthrown so that there's no theocracy, so that there is a, uh, a possibility for a true referendum, <laughs> a true popular referendum to to have a more democratic government. I mean, the group that is here today, they consider themselves socialists. I assume all of you consider yourself socialists. So of course, for us, it's not enough to just have a referendum and call for a um, you know, bourgeois democracy. But immediately, that's really what's, what's the, what the only option that seems to be available uh, to, in order to create a space for people in Iran to then 
have the freedom of, of speech, freedom of press, uh, freedom of assembly to discuss socialist ideas. And again, I, as a, I speak as a socialist who clearly not think that what existed in the USSR and Maoist China or Venezuela for that matter, or Cuba is socialist, it's state capitalist, it's totalitarian, it's authoritarian. So uh, we don't even have a chance to discuss these things except in small websites and blogs and books that are published in, in small numbers and you know, the majority of the population doesn't have access to them. So, um, so if these issues are addressed, um, then you know there is a possibility for moving forward. And of course, we need a great deal of international solidarity uh, in order to in order to get rid of the Islamic Republic, in order to create the possibility for um, something a democratic existence that allows us to then move forward and have further international dialogue about the vision of the future. And finally, how can feminist anti-racist labor and socialist activists around the world help the Iranian uprising and each other, each other's struggles? I think in relationship to Iran, the most immediate thing is that uh, international solidarity needs to demand the immediate release of the political prisoners because so many of our of the people who can be leaders in the current uprising are in prison or if they're not in prison they're under house arrest or they have have had to put up their mm, family's home up as um, as um, um, bail money in order to uh, stay out of prison and if they do anything or say anything the the house or the whatever they put up would be confiscated so that's the most immediate thing to allow these uh, political prisoners to come out and that includes a lot of feminist leaders um, to be able to speak out to help the movement go forward so I would say that is the most immediate way in which international solidarity with Iran can help Iranians. And then on the part of the Iranians, I would say that they, this, uh, the uprising really needs to be, uh, have a lot more of an anti-military content in the sense of speaking out against the uh, Iran's uh, intervention in Syria and Ukraine and Iraq. They have been mentioning Syria and Iraq and Lebanon. They have been mentioning that. But I haven't really heard much, except with the diaspora demonstrations calling for solidarity with Ukraine. With, with, when it comes to the demonstrations and protests inside Iran, I haven't heard much about Ukraine. But maybe I'm wrong. If there's anyone here who's heard otherwise, please let me know. Um, but yeah, Ukraine needs to be a major issue within the Iranian protests and solidarity with Ukraine. I myself, I, I'm going to, I, I've tried to do my part by having a panel of solidarity with Ukrainian feminists, with Ukrainian Russian feminists and, and African-American women. And uh, the Ukrainian women also issued a statement in solidarity with the Iranian women. That statement came out about, a, about three weeks ago. It's a powerful statement and draws connections between the struggles in both countries. 
And uh, I would like to go ahead and uh, write an article in preparation for the first anniversary of the Russian invasion and you know say something about how we need to be a lot more vocal about the solidarity with Ukraine inside Iran. But um, so that's, I think, would be a real immediate issue on the part of Iranians. And then one more point that I wanted to single out in terms of international solidarity is of the uh, protests in China against the, um, the lockdowns, the COVID lockdowns that uh, made references to Iran. There were slogans about how we are in solidarity with Iran. There were also references to Ukraine uh, and, and opposition to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But it really struck me that some of the young people who were uh, involved in the protests in China against the, the lockdowns are drawing connections to Iran and saying, you know, we support the Iranian youth. We too want freedom. So it's uh, it's really wonderful to see, and the Iranians need to build on that. That was Frida Afari about the Iranian revolution. And that's all we've got time for today. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kunjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thank you to all of the listeners of Accent of Women over the last year. Thank you for your ongoing support of this show and of community radio in general. Your support is invaluable. Have a safe and happy holiday season. And as always, I look forward to your company again next week. Thank you.